0: Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's time again for another episode of WVU Marketing Communications Today. Brought to you by the good folks at West Virginia University's Marketing Communications Online Graduate Program. show sets out to explore unique MarCom strategies that will help you inform, persuade, and inspire your audience. With the woman who always does that, Susan Jones. Welcome. Oh,
1: thank you, Paul. You're always so kind with the intros. I am so pleased today to have Edward Siegel with us. Edward has a new book out, which is called Crisis Ahead, 101 Ways to Prepare for and Bounce Back from Disasters and Other Emergencies. And I want all of our listeners to make a note. When you get a chance, go to his website, publicrelations.com. And I have to say, I'm very impressed that he's got that website. When you go there, you're going to see a picture of the book, but it's not just a static picture. It is, the sharks on the cover are actually jumping. Uh, I don't think you get that when you actually buy the book, but when you see it online, you're gonna be impressed. So Edward, I'm so happy to have you here. You are a person who has worked with both the Wall Street Journal and Ogilvy. You have been the CEO of two different trade associations. You've worked with 500 different organizations, helping them with their public relations. So welcome to the show
2: thanks susan great to be with you today
1: i'm so glad you're here let's talk about your book and then let's talk about covid 19. tell us a little bit about why you chose to write this book and i see it as just come out a few weeks ago
2: i wrote the book for four different reasons one to help people prevent from having a crisis the second reason is to help them prepare for a crisis third reason is to manage a crisis and the fourth reason is to help them recover and bounce back from a crisis. So no matter where you are on the spectrum of crisis management and crisis communications, this book has good, practical, actionable advice to help you and to uh, put any crisis behind you as soon as possible.
1: I understand the publication of the book has actually been moved up. It's a little earlier than it was going to be. And I suspect that's because of COVID and some of the other disruptions that are happening today.
2: Yeah, the book was originally scheduled for publication this summer, but as the pandemic broke around the world, the publisher made a command decision and decided to move up the publication of the book by several months. But also, they wanted to change the title of the book. It was going to be crisis ready, but they wanted something more evergreen, more immediate. So they went with crisis ahead. And then they asked me to rewrite the introduction of the book to specifically address the pandemic and the early lessons that can be learned from this national public health emergency. The ebook version became available in April, and the paperback edition just came out on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever you buy your books.
1: Who do you think will be the audience or the audiences for your book?
2: Well, I wrote the book with business executives in mind, but anyone who's involved in running an organization, whether no matter where you are on the organizational chart, whether you're top, the bottom, the middle, if you're the CEO, chairman of the board, or managing a division, if you have any say in managing and running any organization or company, this book will help you because in a crisis, you're really on the front lines. You need immediate help. You need to know what to do in the moment. And this book helps you to do that no matter where you are on the organizational chart.
1: Absolutely. And I think some of your readers will be right in the soup right now. They're right in the middle of this crisis, so they should take time out to read the book, right?
2: It's an easy read. It's divided into easy sections. It has practical advice. It has a series of checklists and exercises to help people determine how ready they are for a crisis, how vulnerable they are for a crisis, and the steps that they can take right now to get ready. It also importantly has a crisis, a template of a crisis management plan. Uh, most companies and organizations do not have a crisis plan. And if you don't have a plan, you're, you're behind the eight ball and you do have a crisis. So this book and the plan helps to prepare you to get ready for the crisis. And uh, when, not if that crisis strikes, you'll be able to confront it and try to get it behind you as soon as possible
1: that sounds wonderful tell us a little bit about your crisis management experience i imagine you've had some interesting challenges over the years
2: well i got my start working in politics on capitol hill and if you want to get a good grounding in the crisis management i recommend you go into politics <laughs> yes and, and before i went on the hill i worked on uh, political campaigns so my background in politics and government service was great grounding for for crisis on how to deal with it, how to identify it. After I left politics, I went into a public relations. I was a media relations consultant for Ogilvy Public Relations Worldwide for several years. I have been hired by advertising agencies and other PR firms to provide my crisis management and PR services to their clients. And then I found myself as the CEO of two trade associations. And I ran into so many crisis, internal and external crisis situations as head of those two associations, I thought I should change my title from chief executive officer to that of chief crisis management officer.
1: (laughs) Almost every day, it sounds like.
2: Every every day was an adventure. I was many things, but being bored was not one of them. And then when I returned to Washington, D.C. a few years ago, I wanted to relaunch my public relations career, public speaking career, and my writing career, because I had written two other books before this one. I wanted to choose a topic that I thought would be evergreen, and keep my attention so I would not be bored. And I came on the, the topic <laughs> of crisis management. Little did I know we would be in the middle of the worst international crisis we've had in more than 100 years. And right. the timing of the book and the advice, it was it was a happy coincidence that I wrote the book that is so important and so relevant to these dangerous times.
1: Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about the COVID crisis. You said that many companies do not even have a crisis plan. They must have been really caught flat-footed in recent months.
2: Yeah, a lot of companies and executives, they have been thrown into a crisis for which no one prepared for. No company, no organization uh, had a plan in place to deal with a pandemic. It's rare enough that a company would have a crisis management plan, just a general plan plan. But to have it specific to a national public health emergency like this, I think would be a small number, if any, who had that plan. So that was the first challenge. What do we do? How do we do it? When do we do it? Where do we do it? How do we do it? Why do we do it? And the the pandemic has raised a lot of issues, but the pandemic has really been unique as a crisis because it has spurred so many other additional sub crises for corporations and organizations around the world. You look at the the crisis of where do our people work if it's not safe for them to come? How do we service our clients if it's not safe for them to come to our stores? What do we do in terms of our own payroll? Do we have to fire people or furlough people because we don't want to go bankrupt? There are crises within crises within crises within this large national public health emergency. The other reality is this was not the first time we've had to deal with a pandemic pandemic. Our last large pandemic was in 1918 with the influenza. And the bad news is that we have not learned from that. We have a history of dealing with crises and then forgetting the lessons that we should have learned to carry it forward. And that's what I addressed in the new introduction for my book on the early lessons we can learn from the pandemic and what we should be remembering going forward. So we learn from our successes, we learn from our failures, And we don't have to go through this again the next time when, not if, we have a national crisis like this.
1: Can you tell us what a couple of those lessons might be, learned or should learn?
2: Well, lesson number one is the importance of having a plan and testing to make sure it works. Uh, So many of us did not have a plan and we were really scrambling to decide what we're gonna do, how we're gonna do it. So having a plan in place would have been step one. Step two, heed early warnings. We had weeks, if not months, of prior notice that the COVID-19 was going to hit our shores. But too many of us acted as if it wasn't gonna come. The fact that we were protected by two oceans, that, oh, maybe that's gonna protect us. Wrong. In this day and age, it's not a matter of, of if a crisis like this is gonna hit, it's when, and we should have seen it coming. We should have done something about it much sooner. Another lesson, we should have enough of the right resources again we knew this crisis was coming but when it hit our shores we did not have the basics like enough masks of other personal protective equipment we didn't even have enough resources to test how many people have the virus and in any crisis an early thing you really have to do is find out how bad the crisis is the last i saw barely 10 percent of the u.s population has even been tested so we don't even know how many of our own people are sick, have been sick, or how many people might be getting sick. And to me, that's unconscionable. You can't address a crisis until you know how bad it is, and we still don't have a handle on it. But things have been so bad, primarily because too many of us are ignoring sound, practical advice on how to avoid getting sick, social distancing, wearing the masks, things like that. And because too many of us have disregarded that sound, practical, scientific advice, We're seeing a troubling resurgence of the disease. We're seeing hospitals reaching new capacities. We see people uh, running out of equipment to protect themselves. We see long lines for people to get tested. In one level, this is a self-inflicted continuation of a national public health emergency. And although we know what to do and how to do it and why we should do it, too many of us are not doing it. And every day we ignore this basic, sound, practical, scientific advice. It just makes the crisis worse and extends it longer than it should be necessary.
1: Well, you have a lot of experience in the political realm, and I'm wondering how you feel about the fact that things like mask wearing and social distancing seem to have become political footballs.
2: This is not a red and blue issue. It is a red, white, and blue issue. It's an American issue. It's a national issue and we should not be divided in terms of a mask or no mask party or party affiliation or that kind of divide we either pay attention to the sound practical advice that uh, dr anthony fouch who uh, cdc have been providing us we cannot run the risk of extending this crisis by making it a political issue too many people have tried to make it a political issue We have to get back on track and make it a non-political issue this is a health issue it's a public crisis issue it's a safety issue it's a survival of people issue it is not a political issue and the sooner we get back on track and listen to and adhere to and follow the advice of the health officials and the experts and the scientists not the politicians then we will be in much better shape let's follow the advice of the people who are experts on this And let's not just get sucked in by someone's uh, loud voice or crazy opinions, because that's all it is. It's loud voices and crazy opinions. We need facts, we need data, we need to follow the experts and not the people who have an opinion and think we should be following them rather than the doctors and the other scientists.
1: That certainly makes sense to me. Edward, after our break, I'm going to ask you for some examples of organizations and companies you feel have done a good job dealing with the coronavirus situation. But right now we're going to take a little break and hear more about what's going on at WVU.
0: And let's do that. Let's remind you that this year's WVU Integrate Conference, which so many have attended for so many years, it's moved online. Marketing communication experts from a variety of industries are exploring how and what to say during this unprecedented global pandemic, but they're doing it online and you can join them. View the schedule and tune into the live virtual sessions at Integrate.WVU.edu. That's Integrate.WVU.edu. And while you're doing it, uh, you might as well check out the WVU Marketing Communications today and all that they're doing there uh, through this program and the new Digital Marketing Communications Master's Degree Program. It's fully online and can be completed in just a year has built-in certifications from platforms like Google and Facebook, and the program gives you both the strategy and skills to reach audiences on existing and new media like this. Learn more at Marketing Communications, that's edu. And now back to Susan and the topic of how do we survive this crisis? <laughs>
1: Right. And just a small commercial here. I'm going to be teaching in that digital marketing program. And right now I'm doing the research and writing for my class, which is called Customer Engagement and Ethics. This morning I was on it and I don't know if you think professors get excited about things, but when it's in my field and it's so interesting, I really do. So I can't wait to be teaching in that program get back to Edward Siegel, whose book, Crisis Ahead, we're discussing today and the whole situation of the coronavirus crisis and related crises that have come about because of that. But Edward, I think you have some examples of companies that have done a pretty good job during this crisis. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, several well-known companies come to mind. I think they are on the A-list of companies that are doing the right things the right way for the right reasons starbucks certainly comes to mind just the other day they announced that everyone who comes into their store will be required to wear a mask so that's step one in a national public health emergency like this you need to protect the public you need to protect the customers you need to protect your employees and uh, that kind of requirement i think is certainly step in the right direction i think apple did a very good job not once, but several times. When the pandemic broke uh, in Wuhan, China, they quickly closed all of their stores uh, to protect people and the public and their employees. When the disease reached the US, they did the same thing and closed all of their stores, again, for the same reasons. Twitter did a good job by uh, first allowing their employees to work from home, then telling them they should work from home, and then recently saying, you must work from home permanently so protecting people in a pandemic is absolutely critical and then i want to a nod to amazon i think they have done a great job in helping to ensure that the national supply chain of goods is running in effective manner people won't go to the stores or they can't go to the brick and mortar stores anymore at least not for a while and amazon has become a great partner and a reliable part of the national supply chain make sure people get uh, whatever they need delivered right to their door. Whatever the level is protecting the people, your employees, the public, uh, or helping to get the goods uh, to to people when they need it in this pandemic, I think those are four good examples for others to follow. Every company and organization has an opportunity to do the right thing. Sometimes they need guidance and a role model, and I think these and other companies are uh, good examples to follow.
1: And sometimes, unfortunately, they need the law to come in. It was just announced here in Michigan today that if retailers and restaurants do not require masks, they could lose their licenses. Unfortunately, it seems that we'd have to go that far to get people to uh, comply. It's very unfortunate.
2: That's a good point. Sometimes the companies and organizations will do the right thing, and sometimes they need to be nudged or sometimes pushed. But it's really good to see that public officials around the country are stepping up their game. And instead of just advising and recommending, because of the resurgence that we're seeing, they really need to put teeth in these enforcement efforts. They really need to show that they're serious, because if we don't act together, we're still going to make things so much more difficult. And that's another unfortunate part of this crisis. In any crisis, it's really important to manage from the top down. You need national leadership in a national emergency. Unfortunately, our top leaders in this country uh, essentially have uh, delegated uh, the responsibility of managing this crisis to dozens and dozens, hundreds or thousands of local government entities. The White House is deferring to the 50 governors, and some are doing a good job and some less good job. Some county officials are stepping up. Mayors are, some mayors are doing a better job than others. It's good that the, the public officials are stepping up But it's unfortunate that they've had to step up and fill this unfortunate uh, leadership vacuum. And that's another reason why this uh, crisis is dragging on longer than necessary. You need leadership from the top down. You need direction. You need guidance and based it on facts and not speculation and not political ideology. And this is just not the right way to to run a campaign against a disease that does not care about ideology or opinions. It's a virus. It's not a political opponent, and we need to treat it as a virus.
1: Right, exactly. So let's step back to a more general question about uh, the elements of a crisis management plan. What would you put into that plan?
2: Any crisis management plan should deal with the basics of a of a crisis. The who, the what, the when, the where, the why, and the how. And when you know the details of all of these, the five W's and the H then you can fill it in. If you don't know when a crisis hits, uh, update the plan accordingly so you'll have a better idea what the facts are and make sure the facts are as current as possible and as accurate as possible. The other thing any plan needs is someone to implement it. You should have a crisis management team, representatives drawn from the major aspects of your organization, HR, IT, legal, uh, the major divisions or departments of your company or organization. And they should come together on a frequent basis to make sure they can work together as a team when there is a crisis. They also should uh, work with the plan to make sure the plan will work and they know how to implement the, the crisis. You also need in the plan, you should know who needs to be notified in what priority uh, about the crisis. You need to make sure you have all the resources you need to address the crisis. If you don't have the internal resources, the experts, the that you you think you would need to deal with a scenario. You should be proactive, identify those uh, consultants and experts, and have them on standby when they are needed. And many times you need not one plan, but more plans, more than one plan. One crisis management plan is not likely to address all possible crises. So you need a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. Just go down the alphabet and have as many different crisis scenarios as you can, and have plans that will meet each scenario to make sure it will work. Another thing you need is practice, practice, practice. You need to practice the plan and make sure you have all your bases covered because the more you practice the plan, the more likely it is you'll find things that maybe should be strengthened or improved. And it's not a matter of creating a plan, testing it once and putting it aside. You also have to have assurance that it's current up to speed. And another thing you need is access. Too many people will put their crisis plans in a three-ring binder and leave it on the shelf and forget it's there. Or if there's a crisis and the building's on fire, literally, they forget to bring the crisis plan with you. There's a lot of good technology, a lot of good apps that can help uh, transform a written crisis plan into a mobile app or the document you take with you at all times because you never know when that crisis is going to hit. You never know where, where you're going to be when it's going to hit, but you always have to have access to that plan in real time, right away.
1: Absolutely. Our time has just flown by. I just have time for one more question. I don't want to stop this conversation without hearing a little bit about your crisis management podcast.
2: Well, thank you. I just launched uh, the, the Crisis Ahead podcast. It's audio on Apple podcast and Google podcast and all the major podcast platforms but I'm also turning each audio podcast into a YouTube video. So you can listen to it or you can watch it. And it's a great way to keep up to speed with what's happening in the world in crisis. I wanted the podcast to be an extension of the book. So every week I have guests who have been involved in or who can comment on crisis that's been in the news and what their advice and recommendations are. And I also have a, a short commentary at the top of the show with my take on what's happening in crisis management and what we should learn and what we should pay attention to and how we can apply those lessons. Between the book and the podcast, I think these are great ways for anyone in business to have a continuing education about crisis management and to take steps now to prepare for, prevent, manage, and when they're able to, recover from a crisis. And the book and the podcast are designed to do just that. Excellent.
1: Excellent. Edward Siegel, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been a pleasure to hear about your book, Crisis Ahead, and your podcast, and I wish you all the best. I don't like to encourage crises, but I going to really have plenty of work in the months and years to come. Thank you for being with us.
2: Thanks. Good to be with you.
0: You've been listening to another great example of WVU Marketing Communications today, brought to you by the good folks at West Virginia University, a weekly program that explores the unique MarCom strategies that will help you inform, persuade, and inspire your audiences. Only on the Funnel Radio Network, for at-work listeners like you.